You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Comic Book Informer, issue 81. We are coming to you on Wednesday, June 6, 2012. As always, I'm Vince, along with Roger. What's up today, buddy? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Was that on purpose? Actually, yeah. <laughs> I have to ask. <laughs> There's buttons. I had to press the button. I figured <laughs> that said it all. Button you were pressing. Yeah, D for droid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Moving on. <laughs> so now that we have um, experienced all of them, uh, we're talking about all six of the new. 52 Wave 2 titles. Uh, this is actually, you touched on it briefly last week when you were talking about Dial H, so uh, we're going to start there. I'm assuming uh, you really don't have anything to add? <laughs> For that one, no. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Dial H, written by Chiena Mievel. Yeah, Chien- Chiena Mievel. Let's, yeah, that sounds about right. Seriously, people use pen names. <laughs> if you know that your name is hard to pronounce, use a pen name. And... Mateus Santaloka. Uh, if you're an artist and your name is impossible to pronounce, use a pen name. <laughs> On the bright side, this is probably the last time we will ever be saying those two names, at least in reference yes. to this comic. Because I, I, I think I liked it even less than you did. No, 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 no. That's not possible. Perhaps <laughs> I wasn't emphatic enough when I talked about it last week. No, no. This is... I, this was just a mess. It's a mess. It was poorly written it's crap i did not like it at all at all but it's it's you know they're bringing back some old comic that was really popular like 50 years ago well it, that was 50 years ago I, I i find it hilarious that the new 52 is giving dc free reign to do whatever they want create new things do things people have never seen before in dc and yet they keep going to the well of these tired concepts that there's a reason they don't work anymore, and this is one of them. Who the hell uses phone booths anymore? Seriously, everybody and their dog <laughs> the has a cell phone. Says that, yes. like, really? Come on. And, uh, here's here's the best part. Okay, the concept of Dial H is this fat dude, and I have nothing against fat guys, but this guy's really fat. <laughs> his his friend is getting beat up by these gangsters, so he's he tries to get help, and he he goes runs to this phone booth and tries to call the police and. Okay, in order for him to get his superpowers, he has to use the rotary dial. Not, not even a, a touch yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> Rotary dial and dial H-E-R-O, which if you're trying to contact the police, how do you accidentally dial that? <laughs> and, and he even goes back later and says how there's there was not even a, there wasn't even a dial tone. What would, why were you talking into the receiver? <laughs> If you knew there was nobody on the other end, this was just so, so, so bad. And it's on so many levels. It just is 
constantly. It's not like okay, like those points notwithstanding, rotary phone and nine one one being impossible to get correctly on a ro- rotary phone. But then you're looking at the premise also of the 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 hero quote unquote that he becomes, which is chimney man. Like this well, let's go with that, boy Mr. Chimney. chimney. Yeah, I mean, what? <laughs> oh god. <laughs> The whole issue gave me a headache. Seriously, it just and it it made me weep for the future of DC Comics. But it got better later on when he became emo boy. Or That's whatever. what I was telling you last <laughs> week. Oh my god, that was because again I'd been thinking, boy chimney. This is a quote unquote hero. It, the whole premise is absolutely ludicrous, and it's it looks stupid as well. And then we got what was it, Captain? Hold on, Captain. L- Lacrimos, lacrimos. What? What am I missing here? How did this? How did this get past an editor who said, "Damn, that's a good idea. Do it. Run with it." Who? Do you... <laughs> the sad thing is, this was probably better than something that got rejected. I, uh, th- oh, man, somebody got paid for this. You know, there's a lot of intelligent people. There's a lot of intelligent writers out there who would like to be writing for comic books. There's, and I'm not just talking kids, young males. I'm talking, there's a lot of women. There's a lot of girls. There's a lot of guys who would love to be writing for comics, who have a brilliant imagination, who have a vision of something that maybe a lot of people would like to read. They're not being published. This is. And that's about all we have to say about that. <laughs> Moving on, next we have G.I. Combat. Uh, this credited to J.T. Cruel, Justin Gray, J. Palmiotti, Ariel Olivetti, and Dan Panosian. Yes, that is a lot of people, but this is actually two separate stories, so that's not that many people when you think about it. Uh, this is replacing Men of War in the lineup, which, okay, their military-themed comic book didn't work out, so let's launch another military-themed comic book. For the couple issues I read of Men of War, I actually quite enjoyed it. I can't say the same here. One of the covers for this has a T-Rex with a military helicopter in its mouth. Now that should be awesome. Principle alone... <laughs> I didn't read this. You cannot make me read this comic. I don't care if it was in the show notes. I saw that and thought there are thousands upon thousands of very good comics that I have not read. I am not wasting time and money on this on principle alone. So they missed the mark in terms of, oh, maybe there is a market for this. Maybe I'm not the target demographic. And if that's the case, fine. Then I'm not going to slam it because I didn't even read it. Well, you didn't miss anything. I didn't think so. <laughs> the the thing with Men of War is it was split up into two stories as well, but the majority of the issue was focusing on the Sergeant Rock story, and then they had just like a little four-page backup along with that. So you had the one main story and the one side story. Well, here you have these two stories dividing the comic equally, which guy, which gives neither of them the time to do what they need to. You can't tell a short story. You can't tell a full story. And both of them just kind of fell into this middle ground where they didn't do anything. Uh, the first one, the, the dinosaur story, he introduces these two characters. Okay, they start on a mission. They get attacked by a pterodactyl, and suddenly they end up. Uh, it looks like a bunch of Koreans fighting a bunch of dinosaurs, and that's where it ends. So, that's literally the entire story. <laughs> the second one uh, is 
uh, follows this uh, introducing the unknown soldier. It's basically the Punisher goes to Afghanistan. <laughs> this guy, he's a, he's a soldier. His family was killed. He went into like extreme training, became this mercenary, and now he kills you know terrorists in Afghanistan. That's the entire story, <laughs> and neither of them were very. I, I don't want to say. All right, the the dinosaur one was stupid. the The unknown soldier one wasn't bad. It just didn't really do anything for me. It's like I said, I've read the Punisher before. I didn't read it. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> you can't say, oh, you never like anything I suggest. I'm just going to shut up then. You can see why I wanted to do all these at once. Oh, like yeah. it's, like, it's like tearing off a Band-Aid. <laughs> okay, next up is Earth 2 by James Robinson, Robinson, I'm sorry, Nicholas Scott and Trevor Scott. It was better. <laughs> All right, uh, this one is taking place on, you know, a completely alternate Earth. And the thing that was interesting about Earth 2 in the old continuity is it was basically DC's Golden Age heroes. You know, the World War II interpretations of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, as well as the original characters, uh, Alan Scott, Green Lantern, uh, Jay Garrick, The Flash, uh, other characters, um, the Sandman, uh, Wildcat, basically the characters that we know today as the Justice Society instead of the Justice League. They had their own little alternate universe over in Alt two, Earth 2 before it all got messed up, and we're not getting into that right now. So I was expecting to get this cool little retro comic out of this. Instead, we basically get another DC comic that just happens to have different characters. Like It even starts off with Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. I can't say it's different interpretations of them because it's basically just them in different costumes. And they take up two-thirds of the comic. I'm not, I'm not even going to bother with a spoiler. Killing them. So this is going to be a comic that exists in the superhero world without the iconic DC superheroes. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but focusing the entire majority of your comic on characters that aren't going to be in your comic is a huge mistake to me. I was willing to give them a little bit more leeway with that. See, once again, we're getting at a point now where the the concepts of alternate realities are becoming a little too overly saturated. So we're seeing it everywhere. And we've both said we're suckers for them. Very true. However, I know that me personally, I am getting at that point where it's like, I think that it's becoming uh, something that writers are relying on a little bit too much and that publishers are relying on too much for sales. So, I mean, the entirety of... Flashpoint, the whole Flashpoint event in the New 52 was the different universe, the, the parallel universes and all the changes and things like that. And now instead of having some modicum of established reality since then, they're still pounding out alternate realities. So it's like, okay, well, we tried this kind of alternate. Eh, it's not doing too well, so we're going to change it yet again. Whereas I think that what they need to do is instead look at why it's not working and try to still like save what they have, ground it more, make it something that people can can appreciate more instead of twisting and turning yet again. So when we're looking at at, at this and the subsequent other one that we're going to cover, I'm assuming right after this, uh, World's Finest, mm -hmm. um, we're seeing how they're kind of trying to twist it so that it's kind of angling back course correcting towards the 
currently established new 52 continuity kind of thing so i'm kind of willing to give it a little bit of slack though though albeit not that much because again it is it is playing with something that if this was coming from uh, Marvel, if this was coming from uh, Image or, or IDW, that they were doing this with some of their IPs, I'd be like, oh, awesome. Um, although even Marvel is starting to abuse it too. But this is like, that's all they're doing. We don't have, we're not getting any time to relate to the characters because they're constantly changing. Mm-hmm. And this this comic does still, like you said, it does still have potential. I'm not completely writing it off, but we had the majority of the issue following characters that they intended to kill off. Uh, the little side bit with Robin and Supergirl spinning off into their own comic. And then I counted. There are six pages shared between Alan Scott and Jay Garrick, uh, Green Lantern and Flash, who are going to be among the central cast of this comic going on. So this entire first issue, and we've told spoken at length about what makes a successful first issue – gives almost no indication as to what this comic is going to be like going forward. And that is a huge misstep. It's it has the entire potential to be a comic I could like because I do like the the old school interpretations of these characters and how different they are from, you know, Barry Allen and Hal Jordan. I, I like that. And I want to like what this comic is going to do. But from the first issue, I definitely have my doubts. See, I didn't have as much of a problem with them spending as much time on the trio and knowing that the trio were going to die simply because I looked at it more as... Um, laying the groundwork and establishing how important these three were in that continuity. Now, of course, we always know that those three are important in that continuity. That's always going to be the case kind of thing. But we needed to see it. We needed to see just how bad things had gotten on that Earth and how difficult it was even for them kind of thing. And then seeing the impact that their death had on um, um, the Supergirl and and, uh, Robin, then... Again, that's something that then works very closely with World's Finest and will have an impact on this as well. I didn't have as much a problem with it because it's laying the groundwork. Could it have been shorter? Of course it could have. They they did spend too much time on it and not enough on the characters that we are supposed to care about that are going to be, well, again, launching this series kind of thing. But it wasn't a deal breaker, put it that way for me. Yeah, I'm going to give it a second issue, but if I was just, you know, somebody walking into a comic shop and not knowing what the intention of this comic was, I don't think the first issue would have convinced me to pick up a second. I think it would, but I say that knowing that I detest most of DC's line right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> again, there's that curve if right now. Option is Earth 2, Issue 2, or whatever issue of Red Hood is out. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. So I'm looking at, okay, I want to read comics with these characters that I care about in them. But what's currently out with those characters that I care about, a lot of it is crap. So... All right, in comparison, this is not all that bad. So I, I'm disappointed that we're losing not just Batman, but his Robin, quote-unquote, as well for this one, um, because they're now stuck somewhere else. So that means that in Earth 2 continuity, there is no Batman nor a Robin. So what does that mean for potential for a Nightwing or for a who knows what? I mean, we'll see as the series goes on, but mm-hmm. I, I certainly wasn't upset seeing Wonder Woman and 
Superman biting it. That's fine. <laughs> like I said, it's it's a reimagining of their classic characters. So all you had was Batman and Robin. There was no Nightwing or any or any of those other associated characters. Dude, so I, I have no issue there. But yeah, but Supergirl's there. So like, I mean, they're there's they're messing around with continuity so much that I don't think that matters. I'm just saying. I, oh, it doesn't, I, I, it doesn't I bother. All right, so touching on to uh, World's Finest, this one is by Paul Levitz, George Perez, Kevin McGuire, and Scott Kabalish. All names I can pronounce. Thank you very much. Awesome, guys. <laughs> Thank you very much. Even if for those us. aren't your real names. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and this, like you said, it's spinning out of Earth 2. Uh, it was actually established in the Huntress miniseries that came out uh, earlier in the year, which I did enjoy, which was following the Huntress. And Okay, so right. I didn't read Huntress. Mm-hmm. Is this established actual canon, or is this just coming out of nowhere okay. now? Before the Crisis on Infinite Earths, back when there was the Earth 1 and the Earth 2, but so all through the 60s, 70s, and early 80s, um, the I don't know, I don't remember if she was Robin or not, but the character uh, that we know as Helena here was the daughter of Batman and Catwoman in the Earth 2 universe. See, I didn't know that. So when they merged the universes uh, during Crisis of Infinite Earths to make one one universe, uh, obviously they couldn't have Batman and Catwoman having a daughter. So she was remolded by reality into a new character to be the daughter of this crime boss, and she became the Huntress in the actual DC continuity. So when we got the New 52 and the new Huntress miniseries, we were assuming that's what they were going with. And actually at the end of Huntress, uh, Helena herself revealed that Helena was just a uh, a name she was using. It was just an identity. And she actually was the old Earth 2 version of that character, not the uh, the, cl- the more recent interpretation of it. Okay, I got to go back and get that and read it because mm-hmm. th- that'll be interesting now. So what we saw in uh, World's Finest was Robin... And Supergirl uh, ended up chasing a demon through the boom tube and things happened. And they ended up in the regular DC New 52 universe where there already is a Robin and a Supergirl. So they had to take on new identities. Uh, So basically this world's finest. And I I do like the spin that they're taking world's finest being the comic that was frequently the Batman Superman team up and taking different, you know, lower tier, you know, members of the families and Huntress and Power Girl. And we saw Power Girl and Mr. Terrific, I guess. Uh, I didn't really read anything past the first issue, and even that was a bit troubling. And like I said, Huntress had her little miniseries. So this entire comic is these two characters trying to get back to their home world. And out of the six we're talking about, this is by far the one I enjoyed the most. And I can say I will continue reading this because I liked the interaction between the two main characters. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Again, I kept wondering whether or not this was established canon um, for both the characters, because I've never read any Power Girl. I'm sorry, but I, I know well, it, what the it, appeal again, of it was, and that wasn't for me. So, uh, like, To my knowledge, because it's not a character I'm terribly familiar with, Power Girl, uh, you know, with her little boob window and all that, yeah. was a clone of Supergirl in the old DC universe. Okay. But I think there's something... I think it's one of those things where, yeah, she was the Supergirl of the old universe uh, of Earth 2. And then when they combined, they, you know, they, again, they couldn't have that many Supergirls floating around. So she became a clone and power. When you're rewriting reality, they give them a clean slate to just slam these characters together. So that's how we got Power Girl, to yeah. my knowledge. I, I'm not as familiar with that character. There was a lot going on in this in terms of the writing that I wasn't crazy about, that they kind of took liberties and they kind of... <sighs> 
it, it, it's just big plot holes kind of thing. I mean, yes, you have to expect that within a certain degree for uh, a comic book series, but it was like, uh, it, it, it's part of it was fun to to read, but part of it was just typical comic book, for lack of a better term, stupidity that kind of bored me. And then the fact that they, yeah, yeah, we'll cover up her chest, but of course we're going to rip her dress apart so that there's still a bunch of scenes that young boys can ogle at. Yeah, come on. I'm willing to forgive that given um, the actual superhero costumes that both of the girls are wearing. So I'm willing to, I'm willing to forgive that one scene. <laughs> but I mean, it was all right, but it was neither one of them were really anything that were like jaw droppingly. This is so freaking awesome. I can't wait to read more. Not even by a long shot. I actually preferred the uh, Earth 2 than this. But I mean, even this was a f- lot better than the other ones. Mm hmm. I, 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 I can't say anything bad about it. I enjoyed it. Okay. All right. Batman Incorporated, our old nemesis uh, by Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham. And prior to the reboot, many, many, many people were claiming that Batman Incorporated was the best comic of the year, of the time, uh, of everything. I was okay with the first issue and then gave up halfway through the second issue. So I couldn't tell you if it got any better, but I really wasn't liking anything going on there. So new 52 relaunch. Here we go. What'd you think? I didn't, I, I thought it was absolute <laughs> stupidity. I thought it was terrible. It was all of it was bad. The fact that these freaking dudes with animal heads on their heads can give such a hard time to freaking Batman and Robin was stupid. Once again, Robin is just this emo little punk that just gets on my nerves. I want to slap him upside the head and say, just grow up for Christ's sakes. And uh, everything about it really was something that I looked at and thought, I, I'm not reading issue two. I'm sorry. It's, I did not enjoy this. And then there's yeah. the obvious plot holes too. And the, the big, Oh, look, this is what we're doing, man behind the curtain. Um, so it was like, mm, no, I, I was not digging it at all. Yeah. Despite all the praise it's gotten, I've never liked Batman or, uh, Morrison's Batman. Like even before Batman incorporated all the stuff he did, I, I was okay with it for a little while. And then it just, it's, t- I can't believe I'm actually saying this about a comic. It's too weird. <laughs> like, there's uh, Batman is not a character where I like these. I, I'm having trouble saying this in in a way that makes sense. I just it doesn't work for me. He he's gives Batman these insane villains, which okay, we look at Batman, you know, Riddler, Joker, insane, but so weirdly twisted that I don't care. I, uh, there's no satisfaction when you finally get to the point where Batman punches them in the face repeatedly. Like they're so stupid as villains, I, I can't care for them. And uh, the interact. If you, here we go with the the Bruce Damien thing again. Like, it's been done. Move on. Uh, it, it, it did not work. Don't like it. Sorry. Oh yeah. And they're saving a cow. Oh come on. Really? <laughs> Jesus. I'm a vegetarian now. Yeah. And uh, this is the bat cow. Oh. Yeah, uh, I, I almost uh, stopped reading at that panel. It was that stupid. Yeah, that was really bad. See, that's the thing, too. There's there's some comic book series where I'm all right with it being stupid. A stupid panel, a stupid cheesy mm-hmm. line or something like that. I'm all right with it, fine. But And, and it's, a, it's a personal preference and all that. But for me, Batman should never be that. Should never, ever be that. It should, I mean, it, him in maybe another series, 
um, fine, a little quirky something, say, in Crack Justice League or whatever. Of the Green Lantern. Fine, yeah. yeah. But not in his series. It's supposed to be dark, and it's supposed to be that, that again, the Dark Knight kind of thing, and investigative, and, 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 and at times, yes, violent and all that. But but not Bat-Cow. No, never Bat-Cow. And then you had all the stuff uh, carrying on uh, the characters that were introduced previously in Batman Incorporated, uh, Batwing, and a bunch of people I don't recognize. But if if you were the type of person that was enjoying Batman Incorporated uh, prior to the New 52 reboot, i assuming this is something you will enjoy. Losers. I'm sorry for your, <laughs> your taste. Lack in of comics, intelligence. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And rounding out the group, we have Ravagers by Howard Mackey, Ian Churchill, and Norm Rapmund. Uh, this is a spinoff of the whole Teen Titans, Superboy, etc. comics that Scott Lobdell had going on. So I wasn't reading any of the stuff leading up to this comic. I do recognize several of the characters, uh, Beast Boy and Terra, of course, from Teen Titans. And I do uh, remember Fairchild from the old Gen 13 days back in Wildstorm. But I, I really have nothing going here. Nothing at all. It was a ridiculously overused um, concept that was not well done here that you could not force yourself even to care about these characters in the least to the point where at the end you're thinking dear lord just let them be captured or have those freaking edward scissorhands dude knife them all up into ginzu sushi because frankly i i could not care less about any of them does dc really need another team of unlikable teenage heroes yeah this yeah it, it was none of the characters were particularly likable beast boy was only in there for a couple of panels and then it's like poof i'll give up on all you and why was beast boy red and not green maybe i missed something in the teen titans continuity Reboot. somewhere okay yeah all right <laughs> i'm okay i'm okay with that oh i didn't say i wasn't <laughs> that, okay I was that was just... the part of the comic i had the least trouble i was wondering with. did i did i miss something obviously all of a sudden now he's red okay it's like a red hulk kind of thing um but no it was i really i i was forcing myself to get through it and to care about the um the characters and i i simply could not none of them they none I, they were all poorly written one thing I do have to point out, just because I found it absolutely hilarious, and give me one second because I'm pulling it up right now. There we go. You look at the cover, and, you know, it has this nice little introduction to all the characters. Uh, that no, no, was... it has one thing. There's one focal point on the cover. Well, I I'm going to actually say two because... <laughs> yes, two... exactly, two. <laughs> Four in that case, because you look at the cover and the two primary female characters have their boobs hanging out. You, you have Tara with her zipper completely undone and Fairchild wearing a bikini in the snow. Yep. And then you look at the actual comic and their costumes are completely different. <laughs> well, the zipper still goes down where they made well, it a point there, of there's that. another character, but at least Tara in the in the comic with her zipper has a shirt on underneath it, so it's not that bad. There's another character that's wearing a similar costume and yeah, it's boobs, but I'm just saying. Oh, I know. They obviously drew the cover before they had any idea what was going to go no, on. No, they the did. Comic. They did. No, no, they drew that cover solely to oh, yes. increase sales. That's yes. all it was because frankly, I looked at that and I groaned and thinking, oh, "Great, this is going to be a another Red Hood stupidity kind of thing. But I, I just find it hilarious. Yeah. That's all. No, I agree. I agree. But I, I had no use for any of it. But you know what? I guess, I guess if that talked you into buying the comic, you, you weren't all that disappointed. No, you would have been. Because if you're that kind of stupid, there wasn't that much of that in the comic book. So you lost either way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, again, 
if you've been liking the whole Teen Titans thing going on, I guess this is something. No, for... I don't think so. No, because I I've liked some of the Teen Titans, not all of it, but some of the what has been going on. Now, granted, I am behind. Yeah, what, in was, it, so... what was the last issue? Yeah, you yeah, read? no, I'm behind. I'm not gonna lie, I'm behind. So, but there was there were a few issues that I didn't mind. I'm not gonna say I love, but I didn't mind kind of thing. So I need to get caught up on it. Seriously, caught up. I have quite a few. Um, let me know but how that works. For I you. I've read Teen Titans before too. Like you can you can enjoy the Teen Titans, but this ain't that. This does not strike me as Teen Titans material by by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it fits the uh, definition of New Fifty Two Teen Titans. I can tell okay, you yeah. Much. Well, we can go with that. <laughs> All right. So that's that. Uh, four comics that we hated, one that could be okay, and one that we kind of like, right? Uh, probably, yeah. yeah. All right. Not. I, Not actually, the best track record, I gotta I, tell you. I, I think they're hitting above average as compared the to 52, the, the yeah. whole fifty-two. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so, all right. And, you know what? It's it's sad. Not to to keep harping on it, but just for one last thing to say about it. Again, you were saying that there are so many opportunities right now because of the whole relaunch and everything. And again, I keep thinking there must be a wealth of writers right now approaching them with insanely good ideas there has to be and yet we're being shoveled this crap i i don't understand who is making the decisions that this is what we need more of and whoever it is it ain't working because i read a a great article yesterday where they took all the sales data for the last couple years of dc and you know laid it all out and you know of course new 52 launch you had this huge spike with all the number ones as we talked about because there was zero risk from the retailers there because dc offered to buy those first several issues of each comic back if they didn't sell and now you're looking and as of issue eight or nine of each of the new 52 they DC is above the level they were at before the New 52 launch, but they're pretty much equal to right where they were in, say, the middle of 2010. So this huge relaunch that got them all this press and all these huge sales for a month or two has completely flatlined, and they're basically back to their status quo as far as sales numbers are concerned. Well, this was just a way to get some money in their coffers, essentially, for a little while. So they got a little bit of money that should hopefully help them stay afloat a little bit kind of thing, but... It's not. It's not going to garner their, them any awards in terms of the creativity and the the the, the quality of the work that they're putting out. Mm-hmm. I mean, of the fifty-two, honestly, how many are you regularly reading right oh, now? Oh, I'm not regularly. Well, the only ones that I'm regularly reading, and even that, I'm a little bit behind, are are Batman and Flash. Those are the other only ones that I really mm-hmm. care about. Justice League being a third one that it's like, okay, I'll read it, but even that's kind of pushing it. Uh, the others. Pff, I read them when I I get to them, and even that, I'm far behind on some of them. And I I'm pretty much the exact same as that, except I'll add in uh, Wonder Woman and Demon Knights as comics I'm still enjoying. Yeah, and see before that, out of fifty two, yeah, exactly. <laughs> before that, I was reading a lot more. I was reading a lot more of their titles, and and even though there's a wealth of Batman titles, um, I'm not reading them all because they're not all good. So not that they were all good before either, but it's just to show that really they're, it's not working. They need to, like, I I understand this idea, okay, well, the new 52 aren't working, so we're going to swap in a few kind of uh, uh, titles and whatnot. Fine, do that. But don't bring in more of the same crap. <laughs> Hire smarter people is what it boils down to. 
I, I will give them credit because Dial H was something completely different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So was GI <laughs> okay. Combat. Well, no, like I said, that was pretty much Men of War, just again. All right, moving on. Anyway, what yes. we're reading. Uh, DC put out a couple annuals uh, last week that I did read. Normally, I don't read annuals just because they normally don't have the same creative team as the ongoing. And so it, it doesn't. It doesn't usually fit. Now, sometimes Marvel will do a cool thing like they did last year with uh, Spider-Man, Deadpool, and Hulk. Their annuals all came together into one story, and it was fun read. Nothing that impacted their ongoing comics, but it was fun to read. Uh, DC is doing something different. They're actually keeping at least the writers on. Obviously, they need a new artist if they're going to put out an, a double size extra issue in, in the middle of their publishing uh, line. But they're at least tying into the core comics, not required reading. I, I like that they're doing fun, oversized side stories. Uh, Animal, Animal Man uh, was, if you, if you, I'm sorry, uh, I am still reading Animal Man and Swamp Thing as well, so you can put those into my list. Uh, if you've been enjoying Animal Man, this is a fun little story uh, telling about a previous time that Animal Man and Swamp Thing have teamed up. Uh, not here but like a couple hundred years ago you know the avatars of the red and of the green so it was a fun read if you're enjoying those comics and then the batman annual my god that scott snyder needs to write batman for life <laughs> uh this was a uh backstory about uh mr freeze and reintroducing him to the new 52 and I have to go into a little sorry another little history lesson here mr freeze was always a joke comic character um he he was uh, C-list in the, in the pantheon of Batman villains until the animated series came out in the 90s. And what they did to reinvent Mr. Freeze in that comic or in that uh, TV show was so great. And, you know, introducing the whole concept of Nora and that he was a villain with a goal working for something. He became a very sympathetic figure and probably one of the best episodes they ever did of that entire TV show, which is saying a lot. So they carried that concept into back into the comics of Mr. Freeze and Nora and this and that. So we have that same story here where Mr. Freeze escapes from prison and this and that. And really, really well done. Uh, you get to see Nightwing and Robin get the crap beaten out of them. So thumbs up there. <laughs> and then, of course, just like a typical Mr. Freeze story, they have to bring Nora into it. And I'm not going to say anything, but the twist Snyder throws in there is awesome and heartbreaking and there were feelings happening reading this comic so really 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 well done but i wanted to bring it up because i wanted to know once again hold on is this actually canon because in the new 52 it is because again i read and or, possibly possibly it might be retroactive canon i don't know like we never got that much information as to the relationship between victor and nora so it's possible this has just been a see, delusion for a decade now <laughs> well see from what i remember reading and and i watched all those comics again with with uh, the family hell we own the the mr Free, freeze movie one that as well that was just phenomenal and the canon that I recall was, yeah, that's that's his wife kind of thing. So this threw me for a loop, and I loved it. But it was a good loop. Damn right. This was <laughs> phenomenal. This was like, holy crap in hell. And I mean, Freeze is a character, too, that is so easy to turn into a joke and to, to not take Arnold. seriously. And, oh, yeah, let's not even go there. Um, but... They they really gave him more of a soul here, and part of that is through the flashbacks, but some of it is also through the, what's currently happening in the story. And 
I really, really enjoyed this a lot, a lot. I've heard Scott Snyder's only going to be doing this for like three years, and that makes me very sad. Well, it was good. He needs to do it for about 30. Yeah, it was it was quite good. I enjoyed it a lot. All right, and then in the interest of time, um, I'm going to stop there. So uh, really? do you have anything else for us? Yeah, because the next one I want to get into is going to take a while to talk about, so I'll save it for next save week. Save next Okay, fine. Uh, well, then I guess I'm not going to do all of the ones that I was going to do because, dude, I got hey, You're I, the one that's got to edit. Go for it. long as you want. I had a massive one. I had a great week. <laughs> I got caught up on um, all the Amazing Spider-Man because I was a couple dude. of issues behind, so I got caught up absolutely i mean because spider island wasn't awesome enough no let's just get another absolutely astounding story arc and just have a blast with it this has been just so freaking awesome and i love that again it's not just you know the typical him and a an a-list character with him kind of thing no let's just toss in some other characters with you hell some freaking <laughs> yahoos from all over the world in that one ends of the earth one um but no and and working with horizon lab and everything just been phenomenal Getting the one grain of sand that's the Sandman's <laughs> personality. Oh my god. I I have been so digging this, it's unbelievable. We've squealed about this comic for so long now because like just like Scott Snyder on Batman, Dan Slott needs to write Spider-Man for life. Forever, forever. And honestly, the... And uh, I think he, he would be okay with that, too. <laughs> and Umberto Ramos has to keep doing the art. That it's... Oh, even Cummin Coley is doing amazing. Oh, but this is just... Oh, dude, so freaking... Or Caselli, I'm sorry. I, I can't get those so two mixed up. Awesome. Just absolutely awesome. Okay, um, also got caught up because I was a couple of issues behind on Powers. And... Powers continues to be such an unbelievable series. Um, I've loved all of them. And this now has been so, so much fun to read and how the characters are mingling in because that's always been something that he's done well. Bendis has done well with the, the uh, how all of the characters blend together and, and their different personalities and things like that. And you're seeing so many things happening. And yet... That's one of the things that he does so well, too. Some people, when there are too many balls in the air, there's bound to be some that fall. Not with him. He can juggle them and do a fantastic job of making you care about each of them and what's going on between each of the characters, the little side things, um, all of it. It's just been absolutely fantastic. I don't know if you've been keeping up with it. I I actually haven't read any of the volume three, three ones okay, yet, yeah. so I, I have a lot of catching up to do. I you're gonna want to because I'd like us to actually tackle that in uh, maybe episode. What will that be? Eighty five. So we might be doing that because I would love to go over all of them and then maybe even touch a little bit brief recaps on the volume one and two kind of thing, and then swoop into three because I've been really digging this. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number ten. What did you think? Continues to be awesome. Yep. How can he not just, it's just, he can't fail, basically. <laughs> it just keeps getting more and more awesome all the time. I am mm -hmm. absolutely digging it. I love the, um, how he's playing with the alternate 
not realities, but the 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 the, the reincarnations, reincarnations and whatnot, and to the point where I I'm I'm always looking forward to the next issue to see how that's going to play out that continuation of the the reincarnation of all the characters. So we with... got a Splinter fight scene. You do. <laughs> it was awesome. That was freaking Splinter with a sword. <laughs> it was fantastic. Which unfortunately I cannot say for the Walking Dead number ninety eight. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, so close to 200, or sorry, to, uh, yeah, to 200, or 100, 100. sorry. And um, I'm, I'm pretty much ready all uh, to, to give up on it now. I, I, I mean, I'll keep going just to see what's going to happen with 100, but I've pretty much given up on it. It's, it's just kind of spinning its wheels. Like, I'm waiting for that 100, because, like, you could tell this whole last, like, two story arcs, it's like, there needed to be <laughs> a few less issues in between, you know, let's say Carl getting shot and a hundred. I, I think if you compact a lot of this, take out a lot of the unnecessary stuff and it would have been a little more in tune with what they normally do. Yeah. But even now, everything that's happening now is just really, we're, we're it's reading season two of the show is what it's boiling down to at this point. It's just, it's all talk. Yes, there's a few deaths here and there and all that, but my God, is it ever boring? It's like, it's the get them off the farm mentality that I've got right now. And it's mm-hmm. just get them the hell out of that community. So I, I just haven't been digging it. Um, FF18, did you read that yet? I yeah, that, yeah, freaking yeah. votes, having to yeah. vote for a new leader in the negative zone, and who do they want back? Annihilus. That was awesome. I loved it. Anything? Just continue. Like, yeah. again, continues to be great. Yeah, yeah. There are so many comics out there right now that are just consistently excellent. Oh, and I'm so disappointed that Hickman's going to be leaving this. When is he actually leaving? What number I, is it going to be? Do you know? Well, I think as of, uh, what was it, 604, whatever, the, the big climactic issue with Johnny and Galactus, yeah. or not Johnny, yeah, Jan, well, I'll say Johnny, Galactus, all that. I think there was one year after that. So we have maybe eight issues each of Fantastic Four and FF, I'm thinking. Yeah, somebody rewrite his contract. <laughs> Lock him in, <laughs> because these have just been great. Um, last one, then we, we touched on um, last week, was the next part of the uh, Avatar. And dude, it was fantastic. It was Avatar is what it was. Um, We had lots of story elements and it's long too. A lot of story elements with Avatar and Katara and then with, um, with uh, Toph and, uh, and Sokka. And then with uh, what's the name? Uh, Fire dude. Zuko. Zuko. Um, So it was well paced, well split apart. All of it leading back to what's going to be happening in the conclusion in, in the second or the third one. So it was well done. And again, it's one of those, if you like the Avatar series, you're going to love this. If you didn't, you'll think it was somewhat childish and stupid. But if so, then you're somewhat childish and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you don't like Avatar, go read Ravagers. Yeah. yeah. Stop <laughs> listening to our podcast. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. All right. So lots of cool stuff coming out right now. And that that excites me that there's there's such a wealth of different things out there right now that's worth reading. 
Definitely. Just not from DC. DC All right, <laughs> moving into our new releases for the week. Uh, from Marvel, we have Age of Apocalypse number four, Avengers Academy number 31, Avengers vs. X-Men number five, God. Uh, Dark Avengers number 175, uh, picking up where Thunderbolts left off. Defenders number seven, Hulk number 52, Invincible Iron Man 518, Journey into Mystery 639, Ultimate Spider-Man 11, Uncanny X-Men number 13, and X-Factor number 237. DC, we've got Animal Man number 10, a big one that uh, I'm not even going to get into everything right now, but we have Before Watchmen, Minutemen number one, starting that whole thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we will come back to that in the future. We have Earth 2 number two, Swamp Thing number 10, and World's Finest number two. And rounding out the list, we have Extermination Number 1 from Boom Studios. Uh, it looks kind of interesting, and you know what? It's only a buck. I will try your comic for a dollar. Damn right. Voltron Year 1 Number 3 from Dynamite and from Image. I'm not saying it's going to be good, but you have Issue 220 of Spawn, celebrating the 20th anniversary of a very iconic comic. And again, I'm not sure. That's probably going to be bad because the last 219 weren't that good. <laughs> but one thing I do find cool is they're doing a bunch of variant covers for it, uh, each one with a different image original. So like I saw the Spawn, the Youngblood version of Spawn. It was hilarious. <laughs> so I, I, I like that they're having fun with their big anniversary. So I at least have to respect them for that. And that's going to wrap us up here for Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com, on Twitter at CBinformer. You can contact us, either Vince or Roger, at comicbookinformer.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we would love all of your fantastic reviews. And we'll see everybody next week. <laughs>